This show contains movie spoilers and swearing. back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host RJ McCready and for this episode I'm very excited to be able to talk about the uh, epic action movie which came out in 2015 and that is Mad Max Fury Road. And joining me for the show today is my good friend and buddy uh, Bo Ranzel. Bo, how you doing? I, I'm doing great. My, my world is fire and pain. Um, <laughs> no, it... Yeah, I, I, uh, as I, we started the conversation immediately with like, oh my god, this is so much fun to talk about. This movie is so good. I'm so excited to to be here and talking about Mad Max Fury Road. Well, you know what I'm going to do, Bo, because it's it's that type of movie. I think we're both fetching to just want to talk about it. I think we should just go ahead and play a trailer. I think we should get into the uh, uh, the interceptor, fire it up, and I think we should just get straight on. <laughs> onto it and then we'll Fair talk enough. about everything else later all right yeah, guys. much like the movie itself no screwing around yeah, let's not, just hit the pedal i'm just gonna jump off the cliff get onto that hangar we're gonna take you off and we're gonna get onto it and uh, here we go so we'll see you soon in this wasteland i am the one who runs from both the living and the dead Reduced to a single instinct. Survive. It is by my hand. You arise from the ashes of this world.
And welcome back guys, so the synopsis of this film is in a post-apocalyptic wasteland, a woman rebels against a tyrannical, or tyrannical ruler in search for her homeland with the aid of a group of female prisoners, a psychotic worshipper and a drifter named Max. It's got 8.1 on IMBD, it's a 15, and well let's get into it. Bo, Mad Max Fury yes. Road. <laughs> yeah, like but... First of all, George Miller was 118 years old when he directed this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and it feels like it was directed by the crank guys who so, who like went to film school yeah. since the last time that you, you heard from them. Like, it is just such... I mean, I'll, just to get it out of the way, this movie is a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. um, not just for George Miller, for any old body. But for George Miller at the age, uh, I, I mean, he was in his 70s. He was, what, like 77, something like that? Yeah, I think that was his uh, age, yeah. Hmm. And when he directed this, and it's both the work of someone who knows how to make a movie because it's, it's incredibly confident and ballsy, but it's also the work of someone who's just like, hey, how about we crash some cars, yeah? And Excellent. it... it it, it's this crazy blending of cinematic genius and complete adolescent fantasy. I think, um, yeah, it, it, to me, it's like, I'm going to shout out Matthew Tangent here, who's one of our sort of fellow um, listeners and podcasters. And he said to me, I, I, we reviewed um, Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. Mm. And he said to me, he said it's a bit like being a couple of kids in the backyard playing with some cars and just trying to destroy them and do this, get this sort of epic chase. So you've got a little bit of a story, but you're going to try and destroy everything and chuck dirt on it and probably make your own explosions. And this is kind of what this film feels like, but with a $150 million budget and a director like what you just said. Man, I'm going to show you how to make an action movie in 2015, you know. <laughs> this is Right, right. <laughs> like, forget all this Marvel. Like, I love Marvel movies yeah. and all that. I'm a yeah. real sucker for them. But this is one of those movies that's like, forget all that, you know, nonsense CGI action mm -hmm. stuff. This is going to be raw, visceral, kind of, kind of real-world stunts for the most part. I mean, there's definitely some CGI at work here, but... It's mostly used to sweeten the the effects and stunts that exist. Yeah, and um, and it and that's why it absolutely rocks from jump. You know, which is like to go back to the original statement about like you know how this movie begins. It's just that you know the the studio logo accompanied by the sound of an engine revving. Yeah, and and you haven't hit frame one of the film yet, and it's just like. Everybody get ready. This we're about to rock. And and then you get that brief look at Max standing on, you know, the, the top of this rocky dune or whatever, and this two headed lizard and him giving this monologue about like how the world is shit and everything is crap and the only thing that he can do in this world is survive. Yeah. And mm. and, and like you see him hear something drive away and then the camera holds on him driving away as a bunch of these dune buggies and shit leap over the camera into the frame starting the movie and that all happens in the first like three minutes and you are immediately bought in 
It is so good. It is such a good opening to this movie <laughs> that it, it makes me sick. Yeah, it's very. When I watched it, I thought that's very typical of Mad Max, especially number two. I think that opens up the same, doesn't it, with the June buggies almost leaping from behind you as an audience onto the screen and then chasing Max. And from the start, like you say, you hear the turn of an engine. And I remember came, I came out of the cinema after watching this and I think I quoted, I said, oh my God, I feel like I've just been, I, mean, I was in the back of a stolen car for yeah. you know, a couple yeah, of hours sure. and it just wouldn't stop. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm hanging on going, oh my God, <laughs> is this, you know, it's like, I'm sort of flinging from side to side with this car. And, uh... I've got to be honest with you, I came away and I just sort of went, I, I need some time to absorb this movie, um, because it just went 100 miles an hour. It, it, it's no criticism to this film, but it just, it, every time I watch it, I feel like I'm, I, I notice something different in, in detail. So I might, you know, notice another Morton John's, you know, Hellboy's cars and goes, oh yeah, look at that, you know. And, um, it's certainly... Every time you watch it, I think you see something different, which is always good for a film, I think. Um, it, and I think we say that a lot about our classic movies, you know, that we all we all hold and love. You know, we sort of go over it in detail. Yeah. Uh, and well, you can tell the people who made this movie, George Miller in particular, loved it. Yeah. You know, like it, every nook and cranny of this movie has some little detail or some little bit of like production design world building mm -hmm. that that plants you deeper into the world of of mad max and and to your point about like getting something new on on repeat viewings weirdly this uh, this was probably i don't know the fifth time i've seen it yeah um because i watch it about once a year and this was maybe the first time I really appreciated how good Tom Hardy is in it, oh. and how how funny he is at times. And because yeah. you're just like when I watch this movie, I'm just over because you know plenty of people have said this before, but Mad Max is not the main character of any Mad Max movie. Mm -hmm. It's it's he is the character that the audience audience views what happens through, and. He, you know, he is not the main character of this movie. The main character of this movie is really Furiosa. Yeah. And uh, in, in a similar way that the Road Warrior, like, Mad Max is in that movie and he's he's critical to the movie. But the main characters are really, or the main story is really about, you know, this clan at war with this, you know, overlord uh, over gas and, and this siege of their town. And... You know, Mad Max plays a role in that. Just like in this, the story isn't Mad Max doing something. The story is Furiosa leading these women away from Immortan Joe. Yep. And Mad Max is just along for that ride. I... And it, it, it's fascinating, but it also... It's it's brilliant because it it sort of hides how good Tom Hardy is. And, and even though a big part of this, of course, is his redemption as well, but... I mean, it's it's just one of those things of like, oh yeah, I'm just getting a. This movie is so good, I'm just now getting around to how good Tom Hardy is in it. Yeah, no, I, I'm glad you pulled that up because I I thought that this time around. I think because I was taking notes and looking at it with a critical eye. Um, you have actually got about five or six different characters in this, and you can sort of see it from their perspective. 
uh, even whether that's a Morton Joe's perspective, trying to get the girls back, and Furiosa's story of trying to get to this um, uh, oasis, I suppose you could say. Uh, and then you've got Nicholas Holt's character, and he's trying to sort of go to Valhalla. And then obviously you've got, and then like you said, you're very, very rightly said, and I'm glad you brought this up. And then you've got Mad Max, and you're thinking, oh my god, hang on a second, I'm watching a Mad Max movie, but um, for the first sort of 30, 40 minutes, he's he's chained up to the front of this warboy car. And what I think's really clever about this film is you've really got to pay some attention to him as well to see how he actually gets through that. You know, with everything else that's going on, so you've got Fusori's trying to get away on the truck. But then you look at Max and you think, hang on a second, how does he actually get out of this and how does he get onto the truck? And it's it's very clever for a film that is a action movie with everything that's going on. And it has kind of got a um a plot that is thin but works. And <laughs> you've got a lot of characters that support that as well. It's just, yeah, it's it, it's incredible. It, it, it's uh, it, it, yeah. It, I mean, it's a masterclass, yeah. as Duncan it, it would would point out. Like, you're right, the plot's thin, but the characters are the characters aren't terribly complicated. No, but they're really good. They're mm. rich, you know. Like Furiosa, you don't know a lot about her. You know enough, and she alludes to things. And and so you you understand her character without necessarily knowing all the details, and that's yeah. kind of yeah. the the one of the great things about Mad Max movies in general is that George Miller doesn't give you like it, there's no character that's going to stop and give you all the exposition. That's like oh you know you mean you're coming from Gastown? Well, Gastown has a relationship with us, you know, and that kind of stuff. It, all that stuff, the movie just happens, and like you said, you're kind of in the back seat along for the ride. In the in this stolen car full of war boys, yeah, and yeah, it, it's um, yeah, it's. I think it's uh, very clever how you can have a character and you you look say you look at Furiosa and you think, I've only just seen her for a couple of minutes on the screen, but I feel like I already know her. You know that she's she carries a little bit of weight in in um, uh, Immortan John, uh, John's. Um, uh, Oasis or whatever you call it always you know um, and the other thing I was going to say here as well is you know obviously Tom Hardy is, is filling the boots of Mel Gibson's character and I've got to admit I, I, this is no criticism I seem to be saying this as well no criticisms because uh, I find it hard to try and find one with this film but um, it's not like I feel like I'm missing Mel Gibson but I love Mel Gibson in the other films, but that's a credit to Tom Hardy because I feel like he's just jumped in and I'm totally sold with him playing Max. And uh, I think he does a good job of it. Yeah, there's the the stuff in the movie that Miller does showing Max like ghosts of his daughter and people that, you know, who, who he feels he has allowed to die. Yeah. Um, you know that Max, if nothing else, is a victim of some really severe survivor's guilt, mm-hmm. where you know he feels that his, his, especially his wife and child, which of course is a callback to the original movie, um, that he, him not being there when they died, it like that haunts him, and he's haunted by by figures of uh, 
of, of both of them throughout the film, particularly his daughter, though, who eventually leads him to his redemption. But yeah, yeah, I mean, but that stuff is, again, it's kind of under, you don't necessarily have to get into that part of the movie to enjoy it because it's, it's pretty brief, but that's the storytelling that Miller employs here where the character of Max is never going to tell a character how he's feeling, Mm -hmm. but you understand throughout this movie that he goes through this period of like, yes, he is half crazed because he is in pure survival mode, but he's also haunted by these visions of his family that he thinks he's killed and throughout this movie that starts to go away and he becomes more of a person and starts making decisions that are more human you know like i'm doing this for the greater good not not for survival yeah and 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 so that's his arc through the movie but again none of that is telegraphed it's just it's it's all there it's just not in your face and it's it's so wonderfully done and it, there's such a nice light touch to all of the storytelling that like you said it's not a it's not a deep story but it it absolutely carries the weight of these characters and their emotions and the action like it's just, it, it's perfect for what this movie is yeah that's right and like i say the the, the plot is you know Furios is trying to get away from a molten john to this oasis where she originally grew up and obviously when she gets there it's it's disappeared or it's just it's crumbled down isn't it into like a sort of bog um and then obviously max comes up with the idea to say well you know the best place for us to go is back to where we come from because we've just drawn everybody out and we're just going to go back and sort of face the the snake's head and it, it, it's just like you've just had this incredible sequence where they've just tried to get out and you've got all the action and um, Max um, has this kind of unsteady alliance to me with Furiosa and I think it's great there's some great moments there um, I love the bit when he's actually in the driver's seat and he helps one of the girls out and he just turns around and he just puts his thumb, thumb up and it's almost like yeah. Max is kind of just easing into this Uneasy, uneasy um, alliance, but he's he's thinking, yeah, it's it's coming together, and I love it, and it's it's just really good, um, uh, I suppose, character building from an audience perspective, because we know that Max is eighty percent cynical, I'd say, but twenty percent, you know, he's gonna he's gonna come through for somebody in the end, doesn't he? You know, <laughs> and he, he's still got that cop side of him, yeah, and and yeah. and he shows like his emergency medical training and stuff uh yeah. in, in this movie a little bit but yeah i mean at the at the end of the day max is a good guy mm. he's just in a world that doesn't allow you to be a good guy <laughs> and <laughs> you know like it's just too rough you don't have time to make a lot of those moral decisions mm-hmm. and but when given the opportunity mad uh, max always makes the right choice yeah uh when when push comes to shove and uh yeah, it, uh, like there's speaking of the relationship between him and Furiosa, it it does it starts of course because he's in pure survival mode and doesn't trust any. I mean, he's a wounded animal, mm-hmm. and and so is she, and uh, and so you know at first there's no trust in that kind of thing. And the one of my favorite moments though is as they're sort of learning that hey maybe the other person isn't out to get them. Then there's uh, that moment where the bullet boy tank is coming up behind him and uh, they're down to four bullets and 
Max is trying to shoot out the light, misses a couple of times, and there's only one bullet left. Yeah. And Furiosa yeah. comes up behind him, and he just, like, he hesitates for a second, and then he's like, ah, oh, fuck it, and just hands her the gun. Yeah. And then she uses him to steady the, the aim and, and says, like, okay, don't breathe. And then she shoots out the light, and it's the really the first moment where it's like, oh, they are working completely symbiotically now. And and in the final chase, that's how it is. They they have each other's backs, and they're fighting for each other. And it's great. It, it's a great like evolution of those characters because again, this movie is a masterpiece, and everything about it's great. Yeah. And <laughs> and and even this relationship between Max and Furiosa is handled with that same light touch, but it, it it's so satisfying. And it ends just poetically mm. with a look between them. Yeah, exactly. And um, it, oh, it's so good. Um, I like that. Going back to that bit there with the sniper rifle and the ammo dude, which I find funny actually, especially when he blows his eyes out and they've got a flare and they're going, put it in front of my face where I am. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. I can't see anything. You know, little bits no, of closer. humor. <laughs> it's right in front of your face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like little bits of humor like that um but like you say that that bit there i suppose when you look at it in in detail um it is basically a little moment between furiosa and max and max saying usually i'll be able to do this by myself but it's me handing that rifle over to her to say hell sometimes i need somebody else to help me out and right you know, and you're cool. better at great. this yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so it's uh, it's great yeah it's you know, and even, uh, you know, as you said, the, the thrust of this story is her kind of taking away the the breeding wives of oh, Mark yeah, and Joe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gotcha. a... and, and But even those characters are not just completely uniform background characters. Not... They all kind of have their little moments. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's one girl that's just like, fuck this. This is hard out here. I want to go back. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't have a bad time. <laughs> didn't have a bad deal in the end really with uh, a Morton Joe um, yeah I mean yeah. was it perfect no but, but hey you know what out here is <laughs> uh, but I, I do like in this movie though that you do have places like even though we don't see you know Gastown and, and Bullet Town um, you do get the sense that okay there's some kind of crude society emerging here I mean they're basically warlords and everything but it's a little bit more of a society than what you had in like Road Warrior, and and kind of an extension. Like if you're if you're following the movies, it's a bit more Thunderdome than it is Road Warrior in terms of these enclaves of people. Yeah, um, yes, I, I do, and I did think that again uh, when I watched this. I thought, oh, there is a hint of because they're going Furious is supposed to go to Gas Town at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. She's the, I mean, basically, they're trading between these towns now. Like, they've got water, and, you know, these other towns have gas and bullets, so they're trading water for gas and bullets, and it all makes sense. Yeah, because I did think, I thought, because among, you know, amongst all the carnage, what I said at the beginning, I thought this movie goes so fast, you, you can miss some detail. And I thought, oh, hang on a second, there's Gas Town. We don't actually see Gas Town. Um, no, yeah. Just hinting at right. it. Uh, which kind of, uh, I suppose takes you back to Thunderdome um, where I think well I did think well is Mother, Mother Eternia 
floating around here somewhere still in Bartertown. Yeah, Auntie you know. Entity and, oh, and it, Master. Yeah, is it Auntie Entity? Yeah, it's Auntie Entity. Yeah, Auntie Entity. Uh, Auntie Entity, even That's though it. they only ever call her Auntie in that movie. That's but, an Auntie, uh, you know. Um, which yeah. I was going to get onto. Who run Bartertown? I mean, Thunderdome. I mean, it's a film... I, I can see where there's some faults because um, I think George Miller um, lost his his best friend or something on that movie. Um, yeah. But, oh, I can't remember his name now. Ben. Ben something. Um, anyway, he lost his producer and I think that's kind of put him off the scent a little bit. And he kind of... I've always thought with Dumb Thunderdome, it's got a good beginning, but the middle was just a little bit all over the place and then try to sort of... Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree, and well, the and it, the the big problem with Thunderdome is that I think the original script wasn't a Mad Max script, no, and then they yeah. they kind of shoehorned the Mad Max stuff into it, and and it feels like you said it just feels a little schizophrenic that way where the beginning and end are are, are feel very Mad Max, and then the middle part of it is like why are we doing all this stuff with these kids? This is not what I came for. Yeah, I was, I was kind of. I think when I watched this, when I watched Thunderdome, I, the first first act when he's in, you know, he's got the chainsaw and he's fighting the other guy, and um, when he spins that wheel, I kind of wish it spun onto something else, you know, for the third act or for the second <laughs> yeah. act. You know what I mean? I think it just takes a yeah, little bit around, you know, hit spin again, yeah. <laughs> give Break it another the wheel, go, spin the wheel. Um, but they, it just seems like they just put in Lord of the Flies in the middle, and you're thinking, oh, hang yeah. on a second, what's going on here? And then. By the end of well, it, it's kind of gone back the, to a Mad Max movie. The, the thing, like, it moves in the same way that a Mad Max movie does. Like, this movie is broken almost cleanly into half hours. Mm. Where, like, the first half hour is up to the point where Mad Max, you know, gets free, or the, his car crashes. And then that second half hour is sort of up to the point where they hit, I think it's the... Um, the other side of the valley and then you have the half hour of like disillusion and you know survival and and whatnot and then the final half hour is the trip back yeah and it like it, it it's a great construction because about every 30 minutes you're kind of shifting gears into a different film uh a slightly different film but a different film nonetheless or you've evolved the characters or whatever and uh it, it, like as a result of that, this two-hour movie, it's almost two hours exactly, and it feels like it's about 20 minutes long. Mm -hmm. Because it, it moves so fast, and every time you're like, okay, we can take a breath, this is just a moment with the characters, and then something pops off in the next, like, five minutes. So there's really almost no downtime Not to this movie whatsoever. The handbrake and, doesn't come on at all, does it, in this film? <laughs> yeah, I mean, every, you, like I said, you have these moments where the characters kind of stop and talk when they have to. Like when you finally meet up with, you know, the, these mothers who live out in the desert who are like, yeah, no, there's nothing out here. This is, <laughs> this is all fucked. They seem, um, they seem to be surviving pretty well in just the wasteland, though, don't they? You know, they, they seem to be able to get fuel and supplies from somewhere. <laughs> yeah, you, you kind of get the... the <laughs> the impression that they're kind of bandits, hmm. you know, that they lure people there with this naked girl calling for help. Oh yeah. And then, yeah. and then they just take whatever they can from whoever comes looking. 
And and I guess assuming like, oh, whoever's gonna come, you know, like they're gonna be terrible people probably, so we don't have to feel bad about this. But uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the whole idea is like, hey, hey, it's all crap out here. You've got to go back to where you came from and make that work. Yeah. And you know, you've got water, like you've got a setup. You've just got to get rid of Immortan Joe. So how about we spend the next half hour doing that in the most spectacular possible fashion, <laughs> where everything is awesome all oh, the time? I, it's just incredible, as you said. I, I, I really had to concentrate on Tom Hard, um, Tom Hardy's Max, throughout that sequence to see where he he's gone from here. You know, he gets picked up by a war boy, and he gets thrown onto another truck, and then he's fighting. I just, he just. You've got to sit down and concentrate on it, because you just miss miss bits. Um, and the other thing I was going to say here is, uh, 150 cars were put together by the uh, chop shop crew. I'd imagine. I imagine they were probably having a great time with this. And oh, um, you gotta think they were. Yeah. Yeah. You know, here, here's a bunch of money. Go and go and make some, you know, spectacular looking vehicles for a Mad Max film. Um, and then only 15 survived in the end so that's telling isn't it out of 150 <laughs> yes. like... yeah, not surprising though and and i like the fact that every clan's cars look a little bit different yeah like, like uh i think it's the the gas boys or the, the the people from gas town like have all the spiky vehicles yeah and and then the the guys who live up in the rocks are mostly just motorcycles to get around on all the rough terrain and and I like all that stuff is very cool, and of course, all the Immortan Joe clan are these war boys who are are super into Chrome and Valhalla, yeah, and are just like they're raised to be warriors and are fucking crazy. <laughs> and when when they're about to meet their end, they huff some Chrome stuff. <laughs> Which I imagine is essentially just like crank or something. Yeah, and, they, they were touching on that, saying it was some sort of hallucinogenic drug in a spray that's supposed to make you more, you know, fucked up. You know, going into sure. sort of our Hannah quest. Um, that was a funny yeah. scene as well, wasn't it, with Nux, wasn't it? Because he's because he says he, you know, he's. he has a meeting with a Morton Joe, doesn't he? And he goes, oh, you know, if you go and do this quest. I shall, you know, let you go to Valhalla, and he sprays his face, doesn't he? And he jumps onto the truck, and he gets caught by a chain, and he just falls off, doesn't he? So, you know, it's like, and, yeah, and Morton Joe's response is mediocre. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So good. Yeah, yeah. He tells, "I will carry you to the gates of Valhalla that myself." Was it. Yeah, if yeah, you yeah. Get her. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Morton Joe is so fucking cool in this movie. Mm. Like he's he's clearly the villain, but what a great villain. Yeah, um, and it's good to see. Um, uh, is it the uh, Hugh Keys Brian? Is it uh, the guy who plays uh, Toe Cutter? Isn't it from the original movie? Yeah. So it's great to see him come back. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, again George Miller kind of paying homage to his past. Like this is a perfect example of how to do a movie in a franchise where you have total reverence for what came before you, but also are not beholden to any of it. You know, you're just like, hey, we're just going to do it. Like, does this step on the toes of some of the earlier movies? Sure it does, but who cares? Like, this movie's incredible. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, get over it. 
And on top, like I say, go, you know, River Morton Joe, it's uh, and I um, little shout out to Ricky Morgan's. I've heard him say this before on his his shows where he says it's really important in a movie that the bad guy needs to be really bad for you yeah. to then invest in the characters that are trying to get away from this said bad guy and all of these, you know, sort of war boys and that. And I just think that a Morton Joe looks fucking bad and, you know, his mask and he's got this real presence and or even all the war boys and his crew were fearful of him, do you know what I mean? Wherever he is, it's like, oh, here he is. He's like a sort of godlike character, isn't it? And it's, it's great. <laughs> it works really well. Yeah, well, I mean, he's got that fantastic speech at the beginning where he, you know, is denying water to the citizens of, oh, yeah. of his town. You, you, if you become dependent on water, you will resent its absence. <laughs> you know, all that stuff. It's so good. Like, there, there are turns of phrase that happen within Mad Max movies where they use their own slang and uh, you know have little. Little quirks like like the war boy, uh, the war boys all being obsessed with this idea of going to Valhalla. They've got this, you know, whole religion based around cars and dying in them, uh, and all that stuff. Yeah. But there's that great moment when you're hitting the road, as in, like once Immortan Joe realizes, hey, they Furiosa has stolen my wives, and we have to go in pursuit. And the drums start playing and, and getting your heart racing. And you see the war boys. It's when Nicholas Holt kind of joins into the fray. Yeah. But uh, it, you see all the war boys like running to their cars and whatnot and running to get steering wheels. And one of the characters, uh, I think it's Nicholas Holt, is, you know, it's just like, hey, what's going on? And uh, he and he yells like, uh, like kidnapping, betrayal. An Imitron gone rogue, or an Imperator gone rogue. Mm. And that's his whole explanation of it. It's like, that is the most Shakespearean explanation you could possibly give <laughs> of what's happening in this scene. Yeah, that's but it. It's, yeah. But it's right. It's just beautiful yeah. language that doesn't really answer any of the questions. No. <laughs> These guys have got an education in them, Morton Joes, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, oh, but it's so good, and and you know, and like I said, that's the entry point of Nicholas Holt, who is also a great character and character arc of you know this this young guy who's gonna die and and knows he's gonna die young, so has given his life for, to Immortan Joe and becomes disillusioned with that, and by the end of his life is giving himself like when it gives that very heartbreaking witness me at the end mm -hmm. where he's like, I'm not doing this for a Morton Joe. I'm doing this for, you know, this girl that showed me some kindness. Yeah. And, I and think, yeah, it's wonderful. I think that's what goes back to um, what I said earlier. You, you, each character in this, in this film kind of has its own um, sort of purpose or destiny or, you know, reasons, um, which, kind of gives it that strand of you can watch this film from sort of five different perspectives from these from these characters uh which is very clever you know for a film which you know you've you've got this basic plot but you've got some really solid uh, character building and of course with Nux you know bringing him up and like I say great um acting by Nicholas Holt who I spoke about in my last episode because he played the kid in About a Boy um, so he's doing really well, um, but where he's 
character then brings in the, the Max character, doesn't he? Because he's like, oh, I've got my blood pack, you know. I'm just... Yeah. <laughs> Um, connected um, with a catheter, isn't it? You know, and I've got to say, Tom Hardy's looking pretty good in this film, isn't he? Considering he's having all his blood sucked out of him, you know, <laughs> he's still he's still looking <laughs> yeah. quite bolt up, and <laughs> he's not looking very it, ashen or anything like that, you know. <laughs> no, he, he. I mean, Tom Hardy looks just carved out of steel in this yeah. movie. <laughs> he's got his Bane look still going on. Um, but yeah, but he, I, you know, again, I, I, this watch in particular, I, I paid attention to what he's doing in the movie, mm. and it, it, it's just all on his face. Like he, his whole performance is just in these kind of quiet expressions, and like you said, just him listening to conversations, and you can see him processing all of this. Like he, he gives a very good quiet performance, mm-hmm. and but he's also very funny at times. It, like he'll have some looks that are almost Harrison Fordian in those moments of just like, Oh shit, I've made a bad mistake. Like I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> you know, that yeah. kind of, yeah. uh, you know, that, that fallible hero that Indiana Jones is sometimes there's a touch of that in, in Tom Hardy's Mad Max. That's really good. Where, actually. I like that. And I'm I, the first ex- thing I'm getting here is when Indy's in last crusade and he's on the tank. And it's about to go over the cliff, and he sort of looks up, and it's like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> and and oh, Hardy's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's a good That's a good way of. Uh, I never really thought of that, but I like that. Yeah. Indiana Jones. Uh, but, but, yeah, there, there's. It's one of the things that makes Indiana Jones such a great character is that he has those moments where he seems incredibly human, mm-hmm. you know, because of the mistakes that he is clearly making in real time, and he understands that. And and there's some of that in in uh, Tom Hardy's performance where you see him like the one in particular where I think it's when he's still chained, but he starts sliding off the edge of the hood and there is that kind of wide eyed like oh shit like this could be it yeah <laughs> it. I might be done for uh, and and there are a couple of moments like that and even you know the scene with him kind of handing over the rifle which is a little bit grander. But it, it is that moment of just like, I yeah, this uh, th- I'm not the, the perfect person to do this thing. And it it makes him it does it removes him from the category of superhero and doing yep. those things. Like Max is a dude who gets the shit kicked out of him mm-hmm. in grand like diehard style as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's that kind of hero, the one who who could get killed. You know, like, even though it's called Mad Max and everything, like, he gets jacked up in this movie. And and you kind of need that to happen for the weight of everything. But you know, it's, it, uh, it's interesting you, you made that point, actually, because I think that's where um, some films today can steer away from the... The audience likes to have a relatable character, someone who they can say, hell, that could be me. Do you know what I mean? In this situation where I'm, you know, way above my head in shit, but I'm still going to get battered and bruised. And um, and I think that's why, you know, I heard you mention Die Hard. Um, I think that's why Die Hard worked, because John McClane was kind of like, he wasn't a muscle-bound Schwarzenegger character. He was just a normal guy trying to take on these terrorists, and he gets glass in his feet, and he gets punched, yeah. and he gets bruised, and... And it's the same with Indiana Jones, isn't it? In, the, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, there's a scene 
probably one of my favourite scenes where he's on the bed and Marion's trying to sort of say, well, where doesn't it hurt? And he's like, well, just on the bottom edge of my chin. <laughs> That's like... <laughs> and, right, yeah, the, you know, the, it's not the years, it's the mileage. Yeah, that's yeah, it, yeah. It, and I think Tom Hardy does this in this film because straight, straight from the beginning, he is kind of like the underdog. And Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, there's that terrific opening action sequence where he's like running through the, the uh, war boy's lair. And... It you know it's the the late credits, but it, it's you know when they he jumps out onto this hook in very superhero fashion, mm. but then very quickly gets dragged right back in to start the movie. Yeah, and and that's kind of I, I think the one of those humanizing moments where right even before you see the title of the movie, George Miller is telling you like he's not always going to get away. Yeah, like that's not what we're dealing with here. He is. This isn't him, you know, jumping out onto this hook, swinging to safety, getting to his car, and being like, "So that happened." Mm -hmm. It's he is going to be in the shit, and you know, will he make it out of it? Well, that's what we're here to find out. And you know, as a moviegoer, it's hard not to think, "Well, of course, Mad Max is going to be all right," but you know, that whole final sequence, that whole chase scene, that action is. It's very good. It's very gripping. Um, there is nothing quite as cool as an action sequence that supplies its own music. You yeah. know, thanks to a bunch of drummers and the uh, the duffer or whatever the the dude on guitar. <laughs> yes. yeah, it's, it. Oh, it's so good. And God. even when uh, Max is punching him in the end, and he's having a fight, he's got a couple of war boys. And the dude drops his guitar, but whilst he's getting punched, he's just trying to reach out for his guitar so he can keep on playing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... oh, oh, dude. It's so good. And, like, the score of this movie is operatic as well. Yeah. Um, it's, it's beautiful. Like, it, this movie is this weird blend of, like, in those car chases, it's all drums and guitar, and mm-hmm. it rocks. And then when you're in these more emotional moments... Which don't happen that often, but when they do, the the score is very dramatic, and particularly that scene where, you know, Furiosa realizes that she's brought these women all this way, only to discover there is no Eden waiting for them. Yeah, and she walks out into the desert and just drops to her knees and screams. And it's it is such a powerful moment, and the score there is gorgeous. Yeah, I always say with a film score, if you just if I heard this without seeing the movie, I'd go, "Well, that's that's Mad Max Fury Road." Like you know, you can hear it, you can connect to it. Um, the other thing I was going to say as well is the actual cinematography of this film um, and the actual film location. They filmed it in Africa, in Namibia. Oh, can't say it, Namibia. <laughs> Yeah, and <laughs> trying to put my words together. It's filmed in Africa, anyways. <laughs> and and the color set. correction on it is all like, uh, you know, completely overexposed, like yellows and blues, mm. and it's beautiful. It looks at at times it almost it just looks like a painting, um, and it gives you an opportunity to do like a sequence like that sandstorm. Yeah. Which is 
you know, the maybe the grandest thing that's ever happened in any Mad Max movie is this giant, you know, tornadoes of sand and lightning that start sweeping up these cars. Like the that scene where Furiosa pushes the car into the twister and it starts to explode as it's whipping around. <laughs> it is it's beautiful. I mean, it's incredibly violent, but that's the beauty of Fury Road is that it's it's doing beautiful things with car crashes and violence. It's gorgeous. Yeah, and I think it, it this film also stands alone in some ways. So if you never watched any of the other films, I think you can come into this film and go and just kind of pick it up. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, this movie doesn't require that you've seen any of the other movies. I think it, it makes nods to them in a really smart way that doesn't, you know, it would just, if you didn't know the movies, they would fly over your head and you would never know that it happened. Yeah. You know, it's it's not like, well, back when I was at Thunderdome, mm-hmm. you know, there's none of that. It's just, this is, it, it could be a sequel, it could be a reboot, it feels like a sequel because of some of those nods. If George Miller said, no, 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 this is a total reboot, then I'm fine with that too. Doesn't matter. It exists in the Mad Max universe, and it is a a, a different story in terms of the purity of it, because it, it's probably the most pure movie. In, that's one of the geniuses of the movie, is that it literally is, we're going to drive to this place and drive back. Yeah. that That's the ultimate plot of the movie. But it's it's executed flawlessly you know it's like one of those mortal Kombat flawless victories <laughs> where no, you know when this movie came out like you said when you walk out of this theater uh, out of the theater for the first time after seeing this you're just it, like you've been pummeled yeah. like somebody worked the body yeah. on you for two hours yeah. and you're like that was that was an incredible cinematic experience mm. I felt like I needed to dust myself off. Almost felt like there's a bit of sand in my jacket <laughs> when I came out. Yeah. You know, it's like... <laughs> well, and, and because you're just running through this list of everything you saw that was amazing. Like, oh, the guys on the poles, that was incredible. And, you know, what about all the crossbow stuff? And even the old women kind of kicked ass. And there was a Morton Joe and the War Boys were cool. And, like, it's just everything about the movie is done so right mm. that it, it, it's it's one of those movies that kind of catches you up in the magic of it where it's so fully realized a vision that there's not a moment for me when I'm watching this that I'm, I'm thinking about anything other than the movie. Yeah. You know, it just sweeps me into it. And as much as I look at it with a critical eye, um, it's also one of those movies where I kind of don't have to, because I've seen it enough to know that I, I do think it's brilliant. I do think it's a masterpiece. So I just, I can let myself just enjoy the experience of watching it now without having to think about like, well, I don't really like this scene or I don't really like this performance or whatever. It's, it's all just like, I love everything about this. I, I know that I would never survive in this wasteland, but this (laughs) movie kind of makes me want to live in it. You feel like you can smell this movie, like all the diesel smell. Yeah, Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, that's it. And I think that's always good for a film. Where you yeah. you can smell that you can smell it's a bit like um, I always make these references to Jaws. Every time I watch Jaws, I feel like I can smell the sea air and the salt and everything that's going on. And Quince 
engine fumes from his boat. Um, and I always think that's when you know you're watching a good film because you feel really tied into this. To this, you know, George Miller is almost like reaching out and putting you into the to the to the, to the TV set to say, "Hey, come and join me for this ride for two hours and forget about everything else." You know, and that's what we want. That's what we want as uh, film lovers and moviegoers. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, yeah. that that's the holy grail. Yeah. It, it's so rare that a movie. Uh, achieves what Fury Road does, and I know I'm totally filleting this movie, but I, mm. I mean every word of it. It is, <laughs> it, it, it's truly one of those very special movies that it it does. It just sweeps you. I mean, it, it's kind of like Shawshank in yeah. some ways, where it's like, oh, if I just walk into a room and this is on, then that's what I'm watching. Yeah, exactly. you know, until until the movie is done with me, mm-hmm. I'm. <laughs> I'm in its thrall, <laughs> uh, and happily so. Like it's so sad, it's so emotionally satisfying, and it's just you can't undersell how just down to the bone cool this movie is. Yeah. The cars are cool, the language is cool, the looks of the villains are cool. Uh, Mad Max is cool, like everything. Furiosa is rad as hell. Like everything about it. it it could have been the best graphic novel you ever read. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's a good and, way to describe it. And instead, it's just one of the best movies you ever saw. And it, it's it's just perfect. I love it so much. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we've given this film plenty of love. Um, and I think we've covered most things. We probably haven't because that's the point of this this review, I think, is that we will probably go away later on today and go, oh, well, I forgot to mention that. But that's, that is Fury Road because there will be bits that you miss and that will be the uh, joy of re-watching it to think, oh, yeah, there's another bit of detail. There's another... Oh, I didn't see that car. Oh, I didn't see that character. Oh, I didn't realise Max did that. You know, and <laughs> it just gets better on repeat viewings. Um, but what I was going to say, uh, Bo, is just quickly talk about the other movies. Um, obviously, Mad, Mad Max... The original one, which was an exploitation movie, which made a whole ton of money. And then, obviously, number two and then number three, which we've already touched on. But um, what's your take on the other movies with uh, Mel Gibson? Uh, I think the first one is very different mm. than the others. Uh, it's sort of the pre... Well, not pre... Like, it's sort of as the apocalypse is happening. Like, it's, it's the end of civilization, but there's still civilization. Yeah. And but it's good. It's a really good movie. It's a fun exploitation movie. Um, definitely watch the cut that's not dubbed, um, which is really unfortunate. Um, but it's it's cool. It's a it, like it, it's a Mad Max movie, and uh, there's a lot of action. There's a lot of crazy villains. Toe Cutter Joe is real fun. It, it's a it's a great movie, and. Weirdly, it I it it's gotten better the older I've gotten. Yeah. Where I enjoy Mad the original Mad. The problem is I saw Road Warrior first. Okay. And then and then saw Mad Max and I was like, oh well, this doesn't have any of the desert and apocalypse and that kind of thing. But as I've watched Mad Max more, I'm like, oh, th- it's doing it's a totally different thing, but it's doing it really well. And I really like it. I mean, for being kind of an indie movie. And the stunts are crazy. Yeah. They're effing crazy in that movie. 
knowing that at least like 12 people probably died in the making of Mad Max because they were all real stunts. Like people just get thrown out of cars and everything. It's nuts. So uh, God bless the stunt people of the original Mad Max. Yeah. Because there were no unions involved, I'm sure. This was just knuckleheads on the backs of cars and whatnot. I think it goes with the time for me because I remember going into um, my VHS rental store and seeing Mad the Mad Max, um, all three of them actually, Mad Max 1, 2 and 3, they, they were on that sort of plastic VHS um, covers that you used to have and you could just open them up and I can still smell the um, cigarette and plastic from the chain smoking guy that used to sit behind the desk. It's <laughs> all that sort of nice. That's you know that sort of nostalgic smell of an old video store. You know, I'm not talking about like the main, the mainstream blockbusters. I'm talking about the old, you know, yeah, independent the mom and chains, pops. You know? And I think for me, it's everything goes for the time with the, 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 the rental box, the poster art, and the actual movie itself. It just sort of intertwines it. <laughs> it's like, um, and I. I watched, I think I might have watched number two first, actually. And then I saw the first one. But having got old, you know, older and re- revisited now, I think the first one kind of gives you that sort of backstory which you need with Max. And then the second one's like the sort of higher, bigger budget chase movie. Fantastic. Probably one of the greatest um, action movies out there. <clears throat> and my only, I know Thunderdome kind of gets a bit of a. And I can see why it's not it's said not to be the best in the trilogy, but it does sort of explore the world a little bit, which I think you kind of need. Um, so you know that there's Barter Town, Mother Entity, and there's other stuff going on. It just slows down a bit. Um, for then, for you to then go on to Fury Road, which is back onto like number two, I suppose you could say, where it's just a full-on chase movie. So I'll be interested to see what... I know there's a sequel kicking around, isn't there, um, for Fury Road? I think it's been yeah. in the works uh, a bit. Uh, I, so I've heard a couple of things. One, that there there was going to be a sort of direct sequel to Fury Road, um, but also that either simultaneously or instead of that, they were doing a, a Furiosa prequel movie... And that seems to be moving forward because Anya Taylor-Joy uh, has been tapped to be a young Furiosa. Oh, okay. Which, right. Yeah, that sounds great to me. I'm like, okay, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> is so, George Miller directing it? Great. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> so it'll be interesting <laughs> to see what happens with that. But um, yeah. All right. But, well, listen, I think, like I say, I think we've given this film uh, plenty of love today. Good enough to go. And- yeah. Dust myself down and <laughs> take a, yeah, take a, a, a shower to get all the grit oh, off. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's so good! Oh, oh my man. goodness, Mad Max Fury Road, such a wonderful movie. If you've never seen it, listeners, what are you doing? Like, just buckle Go in for two hours of happiness. Uh, all right, bye. Well, listen, um, I, I didn't say this at the beginning because we jumped straight onto this because I, I could feel we were both kind of like. Let's talk about Mad Max, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But before I close the show, uh, what else have you been up to? Is there um, anything that you've watched that's sort of kind of taken your fancy? Or is there anything you're sort of looking forward to that's coming out soon? 
Um, you definitely. I, I keep hearing good things about the Night House, so I need to see that. I've, I've been doing that uh, podcast on the Stair Summer series, so a lot of my viewing oh, yeah. has been yeah. uh, for that recently. But it, it's kind of good to go back and see a lot of the heavy hitters of the 2010s. Yeah, uh, is is where we're we are on that, and uh, and that's been a, a, a great deal of fun. But it's also a lot of work where I'm going back and like, oh yeah, I. I need to watch The Woman again because it's been about seven years because that movie is kind of unpleasant. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, But it, it's also uh, pretty good. Um, so, yeah, so that's been a lot of fun, and I'm starting to gear up uh, here at the Legion Podcast. Uh, of last year, I did it, and I'm going to do it again this year, which is a 31 Days of Halloween where there will be um, a a mini podcast dropping dropping every single day oh, about uh, a movie, uh, and I, like I said, I did it in 2020. It was a lot of fun. Uh, so we're gonna do another 31 days of Halloween, a little review every day of a, a movie to get you in the Halloween spirit. So I'm starting to uh, watch some of those movies and uh, put that schedule together, and that's been a lot of fun because it gets me in the Halloween spirit, yeah. and I. I yeah. You know, like I've started working on some decorating for Halloween and that sort of thing. So I've really, I've been in a very Halloween kind of place lately, and I I, I couldn't be happier about that. Well, they do say that se- September is the build up to the horror season, don't they? So you, exactly, you know, you, you've got you got your license there to do it. That's not a problem. You've got your Necronomicon license to go out there and <laughs> all I'm do saying is stuff. I've got mannequin heads arriving today. So <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Oh, that's great. Oh, fantastic, man. Um, all I was going to say was I actually watched um, uh, The Suicide Squad the other day. <laughs> yeah, I saw that you had, uh, online that you had talked about this a little bit. Yeah, it's it's a fun movie. Oh, I enjoyed it. I felt like it could have easily been a film that may have kicked around in 88, 89, back in the day. Um, I think James Gunn certainly sort of fetishes that time. And yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, there were some funny moments in there, so... Um, yeah, yeah I, that whole sequence of uh, Peacemaker and is it Deathstroke? Bloodstroke? Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, <laughs> going through the village and the punchline of that oh, scene. Oh, yeah. Of, I mean, okay, I don't, where, where I, are all my men? Uh, oh, I didn't <laughs> see anybody. Did you see anybody? I didn't see anybody on the way in. Yeah. Like, all that stuff was very, very funny. And yeah. it, it was kind of worth the price of admission for me, which was just oh. watching it on HBO. But. That, um, that's, that's it, watching that scene, I was like, mm. "This was worth it." That yeah. was very. Funny. I've got my ten bucks worth out of it just for that scene. And yeah. the other scene is where, trying to spoil it, when he goes around and goes, "Well, we're actually here to rescue you." <laughs> right. Do you want me to go back in so you can do that? You, see, you know, I had a pretty good plan here as well. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh yeah. god, that's great. I love it. That's totally my sense yep. of humor. So, and um, it's telling when you know you got a character like King Shark, which is. Uh, the voice of uh, Sylvester Stallone, but he doesn't really look out of place. And that's how, just to say how crazy that film is, do you know what I mean? When you've got a <laughs> shark dude walking around and you kind of go, yeah, it's all right. Kind of makes sense. I, I, think, <laughs> I think for a lot of people, the line is the starfish. And you're either there for the starfish or you're not. And I'm there for it. Yeah, yeah. It's... 
State Puff Marshmallow Man in it from Ghostbusters, it, it, I thought, you know. Totally. Yeah. That's totally... It, it's the most ridiculous thing it could possibly be. Yeah. And, and that's what makes it kind of wonderful. Um... So yeah, I thought that was a tremendous amount of fun. So that, uh, yeah, that was a little bit of a highlight for me. So I thought I'd share that. So yeah, okay then, babe. Well, listen, as always, it is great to have you on the show. Um, I keep luring you back for these movies. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hey, you want to do this? You, you, you dangle a Fury Road in front of me. It's that's that's bacon to me. I can't say no to it. Yeah, and uh, just before we close up, um, just do you want to? I, I know you've already mentioned the thirty-one. Uh, in Halloween, is there anything else going on in the podcast world for you? I know. You yeah, uh, Pick Six Movies yeah. just uh, is about to hit the 100th episode. Uh, so, depending on when you're listening to this, that probably is about to drop or just dropped. Uh, will happen this Friday, and um, yeah, a bunch of other stuff coming up. Uh, like Halloween is always big, so yeah, there's going to be a lot of cool fun stuff happening around the halloween season so i'm very excited it's a lot of work but you know this is uh tis the season as they say and i i couldn't be more excited oh yeah yeah is it that the legion paid go, goes with a buzz doesn't it um, <laughs> it's great yeah yeah uh, it's it's fun we're gonna we're gonna have a good time this year the uh got, yeah got some new stuff kind of cooking up and yeah like it, it's it's an exciting time. I like I've really uh, this year in particular for Legion has been uh, a tremendous amount of fun. So um, yeah, it's a good time. Stop by if you're listening to this and uh, you don't come by the Legion podcast website. Uh, come on by, go check it out. All right, Bobby. Well, thanks, man. Um, all right, well, thank uh, you. I'm going to wrap the show up now, guys. So as always, a little bit of. Um, admin for the show i've already mentioned the legion podcast so that's what i'm a part of go and check out all the other uh, shows on there i've also got another show called the mystery vault podcast um so go check that out I've just done a bit of a max headroom instant thing if you don't know who he is i explain all on that episode and um you can find bite-sized cinema on itunes uh, spotify YouTube and several other players if you put in uh, Bite Size Cinema Podcast it will take you somewhere to go and listen to it I've also got a Facebook page where I'm most active so uh, post anything on there if there's anything you want me to uh, review I'll be happy to go and do that and um, the next episode coming up is going to be The Evil Dead 2 with Mark Ball uh, he's a fellow podcaster, so I'm excited to have him Ooh. on the show. Yeah, so we'll be talking about that. <laughs> uh, it was a bit like when I spoke to you, but I said to Mark, I said, do you want to come on the show? He said, what do you want to do? I said, Evil Dead 2. He was like, yeah, take my money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll get crazy with that. So, um, yeah, so like I say, guys, hope you enjoyed that. Dust yourself down with all that sand and oil and everything. And... Um, Keep it bite-sized, keep it safe, and we'll see you soon.
enjoyed the show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.